Hello and welcome to another episode of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, the podcast that talks exclusively about the Chelsea FC women's team. I'm your host, Dean, and on this week's show, in part one, we discuss Chelsea's resounding 5 0 victory over Reading, thanks to four goals from Super Frank Kirby. In part two, we round up the latest news from Kings Meadow and a catch up on the latest transfer news. In part three, we look ahead to our next fixture against Manchester United. And in part four, we've got all your emails. This is episode eight of Went to Mo Kings Meadow, entitled The Fran Kirby Show. Now, before we get started, we need your help to spread the word about this podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, tag us in the tweet, share us on Instagram, or how about leaving a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts as it helps other supporters find the show. We'd really appreciate your support. Now, joining me this week, as ever, is my wonderful co-host, Jane. Jane, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Dean. Very excited over the win over the weekend. Look forward, look forward to discussing it later. Yeah, the perfect way to start the year, right? Um, so let's get into it. Give us the all-important information from the game. So Chelsea lined up this one in a 4-2-3-1 formation. Berger was in goal, Blundell, Bright, Ingle and Anderson in defence. A midfield of three of Charles and Lurpose with Kirby, Cuthbert and Wrighton supporting Sam Kerr in attack. Stats-wise, Chelsea had 55 possession to Reading's 45. 15 shots, 7 on target to Reddin's 5 shots, 0 on target. Chelsea had 8 corners to Reddin's 3 and committed 7 fouls to Reddin's 10. Right, before we go through the goals, I want to talk about this starting eleven because, you know, when I wrote down the team, I wrote it down in 4-3-3. Yeah, everywhere I looked had 4-2-3-1. Now, I'm saying this because last week we previewed this game, we said that Chelsea should go 4-3-3 with Cuthbert in midfield. So I'm going to claim it was... Um, Jane, your thoughts on that 11? You know, a rare start for Hannah Blundell and their name Charles. What was going through your mind before kickoff? Um, yeah, I thought it was a strong start in 11. Obviously, Hannah came in last minute because Maron, I read that she had headed the ball or something in the warm up and she'd got migraines. So I think Emma just wanted to put it on the safe and just sub change her up with Hannah. And it was nice to see Hannah get a start. Obviously, she's been out with injury. I think she might have played a couple of games last year, but it was great to see her back. And she was she played I think she had a really good game overall. I was quite shocked not to see Ericsson starting. Just I just thought, yeah, I did expect her to start, but she did come on as a sub, so I think there was nothing to worry about there. Yeah, I think potentially, you know, both Harder and Ericsson not playing, maybe they did have COVID or had to isolate because of someone they knew had COVID and maybe just not up to speed with the rest of the team. But, you know, hopefully they're all good and all ready to go for the next game. Um, and to Marin as well, you know. I then actually heard that about the con- sort of concussion protocol, I guess, to keep her out of the team. Um, so hopefully yeah, she's ready for the next game. I think the supporters group retweeted it on Twitter. Someone there had said that the reason was that she had a migraine and I think it was just the safest. Obviously, to do a concussion as well, it wouldn't have been great for her to play and then make it worse. Yeah, hopefully she's um, feeling better and you know ready ready to go. Um, another surprise maybe in attack was, was Sam Kerr, no Bethany England. Uh, was you, I wouldn't say surprised to see Sam Kerr start because she's such a good player, but you know, was was it a bit of a shock to think? No, no sort of presence up front, so to speak, given the height of the front three? Um. It didn't surprise me with who Emma started up front. I think 
where we do have the game against United and we had City as well, meant to be like next week. Um, I think she did want to maybe rest Beth just so we had some extra strength and fresh legs for the games upcoming. But Sam, like, I love Sam. Like, she's been playing so well. So I think she deserves to get the start in games just because of the form she's on at the minute. Yeah, I suppose that's you know, one of the beauties of this squad is that no matter who starts, there's so much talent and quality there. Um, let's run through the goals. 16 minutes on the clock. Kurt with a flick on in the air, you know, proving me wrong already. Um, Kirby running through, rounds the goalkeeper and scores the opening goal. Uh, 23 minutes. Kirby, good pressure on defence, a poor clearance, and she's able to run through. She showed amazing strength to hold off the defender and you know, a really smart finish. Then on half-time, she gets a hat-trick and a perfect hat-trick as well. Um, free kick, which Cuthbert plays into the back post. Sam Kerr's the quickest to react, plays in a lovely little ball back across. And Fran's there with a header to round off you know, a perfect first half for Chelsea and for Fran. Uh, 53 minutes, uh, Guru Wright takes a corner. And, and Fran, feeling like Goliath, rises again to head home. Uh, into the far post. And then in the 86th minute, uh, cross from Hannah Blundell on the right. Um, G's quickest to the loose ball, shows great skill, great composure, and scores the fifth and final goal. Uh, so a few interesting bits of information I saw after the game. Um, this is the first time this season that Chelsea has scored more than one goal away from home, which I find very interesting. Um, this is now 30 WSL games unbeaten. Uh, Man City hold the record with 31. So makes the game on Sunday even bigger for everyone and the team. Um, obviously, Kirby scored the first goal in the WSL 2021. Um, Kirby is now the third WSL player to score four goals in the game after Viviane Medima and Beth England, and also the third WSL player to score three separate WSL hat-tricks after Medima and England again. Um, how could we not start with, with Frank Kirby? Jane, what did you make of her performance? I think she's brilliant since like since coming back from injury she's like she's like a fresh set of legs you wouldn't think she'd had I think it was about a year and a half she had out in the end with illness and injury like she's come back brand new and I think she's in her best form that she could be in at the moment yeah absolutely some key points from the game actually she had eight dribbles six shots four on target four goals uh, she had 67 touches, which was the third most on the pitch. She did 20 pressures, which was the second most from the team, and three blocks, which was the joint most. So, you know, she was not just fantastic offensively, but also brilliant defensively as well. Um, I think, you know, the first goal, she was on the left-hand side of the attack, so it shows great fluidity between the team. Uh, the second goal, amazing strength to hold off the defender. I mean, she's slight, but she's she's got strength. Um and then two headers. So despite her size, I think she's 5'2", Fran Kirby, which is even shorter than me. And she's <laughs> able to find space to get up unopposed and, and head home. A question here I've got, is she the GOAT, the greatest of all time for Chelsea? Yes. It's a bold yeah. claim, isn't it? It is, but I do, I do think she is. I mean, all-time record goal scorer for the team. She's been in great form. Her and Kerr, who have a great nickname of Kirby, works really well. 
meant to be. I think that's why we signed. Meant to be. Um, yeah, she's been brilliant, and she's sort of had the injuries like you talked about, and to come back, you know, even stronger and and better from that shows a remarkable character, and she's definitely up there for me in terms of not just Chelsea but you know across Europe as well as as one of the best players. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm hoping she's going to get more England appearances and what she deserves in the England team. Like, well, obviously last year she didn't... I, I think she actually got called up the beginning of the season, I think. Don't take my word on it. But I'm hoping now, now she's back, she's going to just do well, club and country, and move her way up the best ranking in the world. Well, hopefully now England have a proper football manager. Um, not yeah. Um, and she can stay injury-free, then she can. she's definitely going to get in that team for sure and, and showcase her talents on the international stage as well. Let's talk about Chelsea's game plan. Now, last week we spoke about Reading allowing us to have possession and, and sitting deep, um, as they did versus Manchester City. Um, instead, they tried to press us very high and had a higher back line. Um, it looks like Emma saw this coming and, and had a game plan for this. That's why possibly Kerr got that start ahead of, of England. And when Reading had the ball, um, which at times we allowed them to have in the first half, we was able to sit into a 4-5-1, just allowing Kerr to stay up front, but allowing Kirby and, and Wright to sit on the wing positions. And then broke using Kerr's pace and obviously Kirby's as well. Um, that's why Emma's the manager and not us, right? I'd I'd hate to be in her position to come up with like her game plan and her formations every week. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, she got this sort of spot on and not just, you know, the game plan in the game. The the players look really fit and we spoke last week about the amount of time they've had off, maybe that you know, a few cobwebs to blow off. They didn't have none of that as well. So that's you know, down to great management of the players as well. Yeah, I think they must have had, I think it was about three or four weeks off where we didn't have the game on the Sunday and then obviously Christmas break and then they didn't come back till the new year. Like they've come back as like in great condition and ready to bring, bring it all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this game, not just all about Chelsea's attack. Defensively, excellent as well. Reading, zero shots on target. Uh, they had a few off half chances from outside the box, which didn't really trouble Berger in goal. Um, it felt like a training game, defence versus attack. Is that something you felt watching the game? Um, yes and no. I think it was. I think it still was quite competitive. Just, I think there was when I know when watching it, there was just the worry that if Reading gets the ball and they can get away, like they're going to score. But it did seem like. Like you say, like attack versus defence. Yeah, I think we really crowded them out in that midfield. You know, Liverpool had a great game and uh, as did Cuthbert and, you know, Neem Charles as well. You know, we didn't allow their sort of better players to get the ball as much. And I you know, don't remember hearing Jess Fishlock's name much in commentary at all. And, you know, that highlights, you know, the, the work they did. Now, we talk about this every week, but it feels a bit silly not to, but the strength of this team and the substitutions that 
that Emma's able to make is truly ridiculous, and that's why we have to talk about it. You know, being able to bring on Benil Harder, Magda Eriksson, you know, it, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, to bring on to bring on the likes of Peniel and Magda, both at the same time, to a game we was winning. I don't know. If, I think we might have been four new up by then. To a game we was winning four new up, and they brought on two of like the strongest players, is just incredible. Yeah, potentially, you know, January transfer window there'd be more additions as well. But you know, let's see what happens on that. Um, now, player of the match. I don't know if you probably saw Chelsea's tweet um, from their account you know the options were Frank Kirby Frank Kirby Frank Kirby or Frank Kirby uh, no surprise Frank Kirby won this episode is called the Frank Kirby show um, but I think it's right that we should you know mention some other players who were also excellent uh, Jane who caught your eye and what about their performance was it that brought them to your attention I think Sam had a brilliant game I, th- I think she got two or three assists with Fran I think just the way Fran and Sam, got got to try and get them all out. <laughs> the way Fran and Sam played together, I think, is just like the assists that uh, that Sam gave Fran was just brilliant. Obviously, last year we didn't get to see Fran and Sam play. Where Sam, this is like a tongue twister. <laughs> where Sam only joined at the beginning of the year and Fran was already out. That was the like the one thing I was looking forward to this season was seeing them play both together and seeing what they could bring to the team. Yeah, the minute you'd say that if you're going to play Sam Kerr, you've got to play Frank Kirby as well. And if you're going to play Frank Kirby, you've got to play Sam Kerr as well because they seem to have a really good connection. And, you know, I think Sam posted maybe on Twitter or Instagram that she was returning the favour this time instead of, you know, Fran giving her the assist, she was doing it back. Um, so he shows their understanding and, you know, when you have two players that are able to gel like that, it makes Emma's decisions even harder on who fills in the other positions as well. Because Sam had, I did notice Sam had a couple of chances that she could have taken the shot, but I think it was twice on both occasions she decided to pass it to Fran um, just to gear Fran up and to get her hat trick. Yeah, I mean, for me, the one player I want to mention more is. Melanie Lewipol's, um I thought in the midfield she was, you know, absolutely fantastic, and she she ran the show for us there. Um, she was a player that sort of I left out of my starting eleven because I felt that others were sort of doing more than her. But I think she's just been under the radar a touch. Do you think you, you agree with that, Jane? Yeah, I don't think she's got the like she gets the mention she deserves. Like she's played. I think she's played majority of the game since she's joined and she is fantastic in the fit, in midfield. But I think it does just go under the radar after games. Well, luckily we've given her a little mention here. Um, Jane, anyone else that you want to pick out from the list of players? Um, I think Hannah had a brilliant game. And she played, yeah, she played the full 90 minutes as well. So I think she did really well. We didn't hear much of her, but the passes and everything she did make was like, they were good. Yeah, and to come in to a starting 11 like last minute as she did, you know, 
mentally yeah. it takes a bit of time to process that information that actually you're starting and your mindset needs to be different than if you're sitting on the bench potentially not getting a minute at all so for her to be able to put in a performance like that you know was excellent um another player for me she's one of my favorite players you know gradually um sort of growing on me is Sophie Ingle you know being versatile enough to play midfield or to drop into centre defence and she doesn't look out of place in either position you know fantastic option for, for Emma to have isn't it oh yeah definitely she's just she is so versatile she like can play she, I, she can play anywhere really like she can play in defence she can play in midfield if you need her to score goals she'll come and score goals like she did at Arsenal she's just a brilliant player all round yeah absolutely and sort of her moving into that defensive position allowed Erin Cuthbert to sort of come into a more midfield role that she's been in recently, Benfica, she played there. Um, what did you make of Erin's performance? I think, as always, Erin, she had a good game. She was like on form and she did well in midfield. She's another player that can play in a variety of different positions, which is good. Yeah, I love how um, sort of tenacious she is and she, she loves getting into a challenge and she's not afraid to to put her foot in despite you know, being slight in nature as well. I guess that's the, the Scott in her coming out there. Um, yeah, she's not, she's not afraid. I remember at the World Cup in 2019 when Scotland played England, she made a tackle on Millie Bright and Millie was actually out for the game after. But for that to come from Erin, who isn't the biggest of people against like, a defender like Millie Bright, I was quite shocked. Like she's not scared of anything. I love that um, the post they did um, where Erin's in little shorts and t-shirt, and G's got trousers, snood, hat, gloves, <laughs> everything. It's like choose which one you are. She's not. She. She's just no matter like what the weather. She's just like in shorts. That's Crazy. why she, she's my favourite player. Um, this episode actually is, is going to be on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, um, obviously you know that. If we get 100 subscribers, I'm going to get the third kit with Cuthbert on the back. That's a promise. So, you know, definitely um, shout this out. Another player that got a rare start was Neem Charles. She had a good game against Benfica when she played, but she, she did well again today. Uh, today? Sunday? Yeah, I think she did really well. Obviously, she's we've not had... We've obviously only had her from the beginning of the season. I think the more games we're seeing her play, the more she's developing. And to come to a squad like this is just so well. Because I don't actually know. She's still quite young. So to come to like such an experienced club, she's going to learn loads. Yeah, and having sort of Emma as the coach as well is definitely you know, something that players are going to want to come and you know, witness and, and be part of as well. Uh, speaking of Emma, I've got some quotes from her after the game. Um, she said... All of us are only as good as the people around us and Fran will be first to say that. While Fran scored four goals and four brilliant goals, it was a total team performance. The front four in particular did a really good job to create space. I thought we got our pressing right. We were very dynamic, but it's what I've seen in training last week. I think it's even better that I've been able to bring five players off the bench and some of them have only been training two or three days. So it was nice to get everybody into the game. And that's probably one of the most pleasing performances for us this season. You can see the quality we've got on show and I thought everybody performed well. Um, you know, obviously Emma's going to be spot on about what she says about the team, but, you know, Jane, do you agree with every word of that? Yeah, I do. Um, where she said about 
some of them have only been training for two or three days. That sort of does, I think, maybe refer back to Peniel and Magda. Maybe they had COVID or they had to isolate. But it was, like she said, like Fran had a brilliant game. And I think the whole team had a brilliant game overall. Yeah, sort of like she mentions, it's what she's seen in training. So obviously this game plan that they, they made to have read in who have, you know, as we mentioned last week in the preview, they've put some really tough performances against the big teams and we blew them out of the water. We were sensational and, you know, a, a perfect game and a perfect way to start the year going into what is going to be a, a tough run of fixtures. Um, so Jane, run us through the table after that win. What's it look like now? So Chelsea have now moved up to second in the table. We're still three points behind Manchester United in first place. However, we still have a game in hand. Arsenal are now in third place, a point behind us. And we have a game in hand on them as well. Manchester City are fourth with 18 points. And then you've got Everton, Reading, Birmingham City, Tottenham, Brighton, West Ham, Aston Villa and propping up the table at Bristol City. Yeah, you can start to see now that the league's opening up between the top four and, and the rest um, and the top's very tight at the minute. Obviously, that can all change going forward. But, you know, an interesting year in the WSL, to say the least. Um, and that's all for part one. Um, join us after this short break for a, look, a lowdown on all the latest news from King's Meadow and beyond. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back to Went to Mo Kings Meadow. Now it's time for a news roundup from Kings Meadow and beyond. Uh, Jane, for those people who've been on a holiday in the past week or so, maybe they've been to Dubai, maybe not. Um, Give us all the details on Dubai Gate and its wider implications to the women's game. So, as a lot of people know, many players flew out to Dubai over Christmas, which I think was stupid. I don't know why why their managers allowed them to. Um, I just don't know. You had quite a few from Man City fly out there. I think there was one from Manchester United who, fair enough, they were in tier three so they could fly. But still, when you're in a game like this, I think it was quite risky. And then we had an Arsenal player who went for business because her agent was out there, and which made it worse because they were in tier four. So they shouldn't have flown. But then it also had a lot of complications when they came back with the WSL games this weekend. Yeah, severe short-sightedness from those clubs involved. Um, you know, at the time, you know, Christmas, the country went into a more strict lockdown. You couldn't see friends or family over Christmas period. Um, some people on their own Christmas Day. And you've got players flying out to Dubai for what we call commercial reasons. Um, I doubt we're ever going to see what these commercial reasons were because... You know, what can you do when you're sunbathing on the beach? It's utterly ridiculous that not only that they flew, but there was, there's was there been no further sanctions or implications from that from the league. You know, Man City, Arsenal, Manchester United all seemingly allowed to just postpone games until they're ready to play again. Where there were teams um, 
with Bristol City. I think and Birmingham both had requests declined because their squads are totally decimated through injury and they've hardly got any players that they can play. Um, though it doesn't do much for the integrity of the women's game, does it, Jane? No, I think Birmingham... Who's Birmingham playing? I can't even think who Birmingham was scheduled to play. But Birmingham had... I think they had 11 players... They had 11 players because most of their players were out injured. But when they put the request in for a postponement because they couldn't fulfil a team, the FA basically told them no. But when Arsenal had one player with COVID and still had a full team, their request was allowed. So I just think it's like one rule for one team and one rule for the others, which is just... But I think they, the FA did get a lot of stick over the weekend for the decisions they were making. Yeah, and the thing for me, you know, when you're trying to grow the women's game, you're trying to develop it, you're trying to get more people interested. What people hate about men's football is how far away supporters are from it. You, know, you can't get close to any players. You're not involved in any decisions made by any board member anywhere. You know, it's commercial, it's about money, it's about success. Supporters are so low down on the list. The women's game seems far from that. It seems like football was maybe you know, before the Premier League era, so to speak. And then to see things like this, you know, people that don't really have much of an interest in women's football but are starting to take notice of it, now it's in you know, the wider press and social media, they're just going to get turned off the game because they're going to think, oh, it's just like the men's game. You know, players do what they want. They're above everybody else. They think they're better. Um, it's like a lot, of, a lot of young kids do, especially young girls, they do look up to these women's footballers nowadays. Like They are there like they just see the world of them so for them to be told oh we can't see like nan and granddad for christmas then they can see their like favorite footballers fly out have a holiday it's like why can they do it and why can't we why can't we see like nan and granddad when they can go on holiday yeah exactly and you know to have just one fixture in a weekend doesn't do a lot for the women's game you know the women's highlight shows cancelled because there's one game so that's another TV audience that's not watching any women's football this weekend. You know, people have to think, think responsibly and ultimately there should have been consequences for their actions. You know, the fact that Man City are able to cancel not just a league game, but also the Conti Cup game this week that should have been played against us now has been moved to the following week where there was a game against Tottenham that now has to be played another day. You know, the implications of this are going to roll and roll and roll. And seemingly nobody's going to pay the price for that, which I think, you know, is, is totally wrong. Um, we've got a couple of quotes on the issue. Um, Jane, do you want to take a former Blue Jilly Flafferty's um, response to this yeah. situation? Um, she said, hopefully the girls who are involved will do the decent thing and come out and apologise. As much as the growth of the women's game is brilliant now, we are able to be full-time professionals and inspire the younger generation. I really don't like the arrogance that the money and wages have brought into it. Players need to remain humble and remember how quickly it can change. Yeah, sort of echoing what we spoke about, you know, the differences in the women's and the men's game. Now that money's there and they're full-time professionals, it doesn't alter the fact that they are, like you said, role models and have to take note of what they're doing. The second quote we've got is from Emma Hayes, and I think she 
as she always does, she got it absolutely spot on um, when she said the following. The privilege that has been bestowed upon us to go to work every day is one we're in jeopardy of losing. We're a professional league with an elite status. If you don't want the government to take that away from us, then behave properly. It's been a dark week for women's football. Let's make sure these fixtures happen and we're not irresponsible as clubs. It is not good enough and we have to do better. The FA has to support that, but equally we have to make sure we don't just throw the FA under the bus. They have a duty of care to players and they can only do what's presented to them. I'm disappointed with women's football this week. We've worked so hard to get where we are. End quote. You know, Emma, as always, she's spot on. You know, it's been a dark week for women's football. You have to agree with that, don't you, Jane? Yeah, I think Emma's I th- Emma's the only... Other than Emma and Casey Stoney, I've not heard anything from any other managers. Casey Stoney apologised for letting her players go because she, she allowed quite a few players to travel back home to see their families. But like Emma said, like we've got, they've got the elite status. Like they don't want the government taking it away from them because then they're not going to be able to play if in when we when we go into lockdowns like this. Yeah, you sort of. There was a different reaction to the how the WSL handled the last lockdown, where they you know, just wrote the league off. They didn't replay any of the games, whereas the men's league carried on and it was won with games played. Everything they do has to be above board and the very best they can do because, you know, slip-ups like this will just hurt the women's game so much and it will turn people away from the game. You know, make no mistake about that. Their allegiance is to the men's game probably run, you know, through through family traditions, you know, passed down from granddad, you know, grandmothers, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. The women's game is is still very new and there's not many sports that have been going for more than sort of five years, say. So if they want to carry on what they've got, which is a fantastic league with fantastic players with good attendances and you know loyal support bases, then they have to do better than what they've done. And you know, hopefully as as Julie said, the, the players come out and apologise and, and show that they know they've done wrong and they've learnt from that. You know, given that more restrictions are likely to come soon. You know, there could be a, a bigger focus on what they do. Like the players that had games count like postponed because of the other team. Like Jilly put something on Twitter and she put in it, she was like, I need to be careful what I say here because I don't want to get myself into trouble. I think the players are just as disappointed. I know some of the Chelsea girls, the stuff they tweeted, they you could tell they were frustrated with the way the weekend went and I do feel sorry for them for them like the girls that have had games postponed that it's not their fault it's other players being selfish and just going away in the whole harbour global pandemic yeah exactly and obviously they've Chelsea and Reading both able to fill teams this week obviously they've stuck to Covid restrictions and they've not travelled to see family you know the likes of Sam Kerr's not travelled back to um, sort of Australia to visit family. She's she stayed in the UK with with the team, and they've had to you know give up lots as well to to make sure they're you know, be able to play and to see other clubs you know f- flaunt that and you know, do what they want with disregard to everyone else is very frustrating. And it's a shame they have to sort of bite their tongue and not say what they think because it'd be very interested to hear 
what they really think about those players that have, have gone gone away and you know cancelled so many games this week. Yeah, it is it is devastating for them. Yeah, let's move on from Dubai Gate. Um, sure, it was a nice time for them. Sure, they enjoyed that, and I'm sure they're happy they went. Um, a transfer roundup. Um, I said last week. Hopefully, it's not too boring. There's nothing to report. No transfers. Um, January is always a difficult time. Um, Emma did say that the new signing Sakira Musovic would be given six months to settle in, but she was sure she'd have a big future for the team and that she trained well. There's some good images of her in training uh, recently. Um, Jane, anything on transfers? Anything you've seen about? No, there's nothing that I've seen. Like I've seen no rumours going around. I think maybe um, Zakira is our only signing. Like I've not seen normally. Like when transfer windows open, you see like the odd rumours floating around, but I've seen nothing. So I'm hoping that we don't sign anyone else because I'm happy with the squad we've got. All the agents are in Dubai, so there's no gossip anywhere. <laughs> All the agents are on holiday. That's the problem. Okay, that's it for part two. But before we go to a break, we've got some parish notices. Um, the big one this week is that we join YouTube, as we mentioned already. Um, you can watch us talk about Chelsea FC with not just listen. Um, head to YouTube, search for Went to Moking Meadow and hit subscribe. Um, we're planning on splitting this show into three sections. So there's uh, content being put out across the week. Um, Bear with us because we're not masters of video editing, nor do we have expensive software. Um, but you've asked and we tried to deliver for you. So we hope you enjoy what you, what you do watch. Um, and don't forget as well, we've got our own Discord channel. Um, Discord is the perfect place for matchday discussions and to be involved in the Chelsea FC women's community. Um, we had a good little discussion, some of us, on the game on Sunday. Um, Jane, you've got to make sure you're in there. You're missing out on all the fun. No, I was I was too busy watching the football. Like I can't I can't multitask basically. Well, I've got to concentrate. So half time off the app onto Discord, have a little chat back on to watch the game. Yeah, we've got Next week from, I will. You know, Africa, we've got people from America, all over the world. So make sure you join that. And um, we'll put the link in the description as well. Um a reminder, if you follow both the men's and the women's team to check out the main Chelsea Fancast show, um, they publish on Mondays and Friday evenings. And they also have a Patreon account, which you can find at www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. If you can and would like to help support both our shows financially, you can do so there, but there's no obligation. We love you either way. And as always, we want as many people talking about Chelsea FC women as possible. So make sure you check out and listen to London is Blue. They headed a feature on the game this week. Um, the team at 195 and the only other podcast that talks exclusively about Chelsea FC women um, that we know about Franz Fight Club I'm sure those guys are super excited to record their episode this week um, I'm going to give that a listen tomorrow um, if there's anyone else you think should be added to this list then please let me know and I'll add them in to give them a shout out as well and don't forget to check out the Chelsea Women Supporters Group on Facebook and Twitter uh, the more supporters involved the better for everyone Join us after this short break for part three. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. 
Welcome back to part three of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. It's time now for our preview of the huge top of the table clash with Manchester United this coming Sunday. Jane, hit us with that vital information. So, like Dean said, United are top of the table. They've played 10 games. They've won eight, drawn none and lost nil. They've scored 27 goals and conceded nine. In the last five games, they've won four and drawn one. This is their second year in the WSL. Last season, they finished fourth. Yeah, interesting. Second season in the WSL, the, the championship the year before that, so only three seasons in total. A huge amount of investment coming from Manchester United into this women's team after they disbanded in 2005, I think. Um, they come again, they are bigger and better. and A decent first year to come fourth in the WSL, Jane, in your first season. Yeah, I think they've done really well and for only being that it was their second season as a team, I think to come to be promoted in their first season and then to come fourth in a year that was a bit like all over the place, I think they have done really well and to be top of the table now is brilliant. Yeah, they've been a sort of a tricky side for us when we played them and they've been able to add the quality, you know, in the likes of Tobin Heath to their team as well, which shows their investment um in the team. Uh, manager Casey Stoney, well, she likes her team to play on the front foot and she uses her wingers to create you know, width, really stretching her play across the front of the field. And she allows her full-backs to overlap, which then, in turn, creates an overload in the midfield because their midfielders are able to stay central to the team. Um, Jane, we've had a few issues with teams attacking our full-backs. You know, the likes of West Ham exploited that really well. Um, are you concerned about the quality of United's attack? Um, I am quite worried how the game's going to go. Like you said, they have got, they have signed some new players. They've got the likes of Tobin Heath. And I think all their players are on form at the minute. So it is going to, it is going to be nervous watching to see what they put out of the bag. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, defence versus attack there. But defensively, United, they keep it very compact, but they do allow you to have space in the wide areas, which could be interesting. Um, to see who Emma picks to play in those wide areas. Um, however, the one thing they don't allow you is, is any time. They press really quick. They're on you as soon as you've got the ball. So Chelsea are going to need to be really fluid in attack. Um, Jane, does that performance against Reading fill you with confidence that we can create good chances against Manchester United? I think even before watching the Reading game on Sunday, I think we've always had, no matter what game we're going into, we're always going to have good chances no matter what team you're playing against, you're always going to have that struggle in some areas. So I think we have got, I don't, I think we've got the same chances that I thought in the Reading game, maybe a bit more confidence now seeing how well we've come back since the Christmas. So hopefully we'll be able to make the chances. Yeah, I thought that after watching the game, um, Casey Stoney might have sent her players back to Dubai um, to try and push them on for a little bit. Um, Let's move on to Chelsea. You know, we don't want to talk about Manchester United too much. Um, ahead of the game, Emma, ha- Emma, Emma Hayes said, yeah, I am excited. The way we started the new year, the way we've come back after Christmas, I think we're now finding our feet. It's taken a little bit of time for us to create the right situation for ourselves, but I think we're in a really great place and I'm excited. I do not underestimate Man United. They're top of the league for a reason. They've been unbelievable all year, so we're going to have to be at our very best if we're going to beat them but we certainly got all the qualities in our squad to do that. Um, Jane Emma's right when she says we've got the quality to do that. Um, 
sort of the embarrassment of riches available to her for this game? Yeah, we have got, throughout the whole squad, we've got so much quality. Like, no matter what position, we've got enough players and strong enough players to be able to put out a good enough team to go out and beat United. And I think what works in our favour is being the only team that played last weekend to win 5 0. You know, we're the only team with any sort of momentum now going into this fixture. United haven't played for ages as well, so they've got the same problems we thought we might have last week. And it's a great opportunity for us to set out a really strong message to the rest of the league that this squad is serious about what it wants to achieve. You know, it's not settling for past successes. You know, we've won the league and then signed Peniel Harder. You know, we're desperate for more and more and more. Um, I suppose my question is, how important is this game in terms of the overall shape of the season? Um, I think this is the... I think this could be the decider where we've both not lost any games yet. I hate to say it, but if the league does get stopped like it did last year and it goes on points per game, I think if it was to end right now, United would get it. Um, so, yeah, I think this is the deciding game of the season. Yeah, really interesting point there, actually, about um, if the season gets curtailed and, you know, if teams act like they did at Christmas, you know, that's definitely a possibility. So, you know, something I hadn't actually thought about, really, is the fact that if the season does end early, you'd want to be at the top of the table to make sure your points per game is up there. You know, going above United with a game in hand, you go level on points, but you've got that game in hand as well. That's something that, you know, psychologically is huge. And I think once this team gets in front, there's no stopping them. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance this this huge fixture list that's going to come up, though. That's going to be interesting. But like you said, you know, what a squad we've got. And it's great that we've seen players like Hannah Blundell and Neem Charles putting great performances, isn't it? That gives you confidence that you can rotate. Yeah, with all the games... Like we've got so many games coming up and then obviously we have got Champions League coming up as well. We've got a big enough squad and quality players that Emma will be able to give the chance to rotate the squad and knowing every team she puts out is one of the strongest teams she's got. Absolutely. So it's time for our predictions. We're going to start with our starting lineups. Um, I'll go first, Jane, to give you time to copy mine. Um, for me, I'd go 4 3 3, even though. Emma doesn't seem to sort of like it. She prefers the 4 2 3 1. But for me, Berger in goal. I've got Mielda or Blundell at right back, depending on Mielda's fitness. Um, so I wasn't sure what happened to her. Uh, Brighton Erickson in the middle of defence, Anderson at left back. Ingle back in that midfield at the base with Copper and Leopold's ahead of her. And then a front three of Kirby, Harder, and Kerr. Now, the reason why I picked this lineup is that if the fullbacks do go forward, then you've got Ingle to can slot in. They go three at the back. Brighton Erickson can cover there right sides if they need to. Um, there's also extra bodies in midfield because United like to overload the middle of the park. So you've got three in there to sort of deal with that. And going forward, United like to man mark. They like to be tight. If you've got three players that can play right, centre or left, that can switch, it makes marking really difficult. You know, United have to be talking all game. Any little slip, you see... Kirby get that goal against Reading when she's off the left, even though she's playing on the right. Being fluid is really difficult. And if you don't know who you're marking, 
Are you going to drop with Harden to pick up the ball? Are you going to go with the runner? That causes problems. That's something that I would look for. Um, and then also you could push Cup from that midfield and go 4-2-3-1 if, if you want as well. There's so many options you could do with that. Um, Jane, who makes your team? My team is very similar to yours. I've got Berger and goal, Marin, Bright, Ericsson and Anderson as the back four. I've got Leopold's G and Ingle in midfield. And then I've put Kerr harder and I've put Kirby or Beth because I don't know, maybe Emma might rest Fran. Then I'm like, will she rest Fran because of like, she's on so much form at the minute. She's got like that momentum. So I'm going more towards Fran than Beth. I will bet my house, I don't have one, but I'll bet <laughs> something else, my car, that Fran Kirby starts against Manchester United. You don't <laughs> score four goals and then the manager says, okay, I'm going to give you a rest now. When she's, when you're on fire, you stay on fire. You keep playing. You keep that confidence. You keep your form. You just go again. She'll be desperate to play against Manchester United and no chance she misses out. I really hope she starts because otherwise you've got no car. Yeah, not true. Although you can't go nowhere at the minute anyway. No. I went with Harder and Kerr and Kirby as my freeze because, you know, they can't play anywhere. Whereas Beth, you know, she's number nine. You put her in the middle. Maybe, you know, with United allowing us width, then that's something that we could look to get the ball into the box to her. But like you say, you know, you could have G, you could have Cuthbert. We none of us have mentioned Guru Wrighton, who's been fantastic recently. You know, Emma's got a tough decision to make. The players that played against Reading played really well. It's hard to make a case to drop any of them. But you know, so many games coming up, I think she's going to have to tweak something. And you can't leave Harder on the bench for two weeks running, surely. Um, lots, lots. No, of... I don't think. I don't think she will. She's just got to rotate her team. And just just try and put out the strongest team she can. Yeah, looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be um, a big one. Um, talking of the game, where can we watch this one? Is it on FA Player, BBC iPlayer? Um, it's on BT Sport. Yeah, it's on BT Sport. Kickoff. I'll be honest, I don't actually know. I think it's two o'clock. <laughs> um, yeah. So you won't be able to watch it on the FA Player. It's just on BT. Okay, well, I have BT Sports. That's fine for me. Um, if you don't have it, I hope you can find uh, an alternative. I know, I've got a sign. I need to sort it out this week. That's why I remembered it was on BT, because mum was like, you need to get it sorted this week so we can watch it. Yeah, 2.30 kickoff. So That's it. At 2 o'clock, log on to our Discord server. We'll start our discussion probably at half one when the team's announced. What a great way to, to build up to the game and then we can enjoy the game together on, on Discord. Um, ready for our chat next week, Jane. Um, score prediction. Now, every week I've been going 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. Last week I said, okay, let's rein that in a little bit. Reading are a good team. And then we win 5-0. So to make sure we win 5-0 again, I'm going to say 2-1 actually. How about you, Jane? Um, I'm going to say 2-1 as well. I think they are going to... I don't want to aim... I'd like to aim really big and be like 6-0 win, but I just don't... I don't think that's realistic. 
against a team like United. So yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. Yeah, um, let us know your predictions, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. We love Discord. Get on Discord. Um, that's it for part three. Uh, join us after the break when we've got um, a good email, good discussion point, actually. Um, see you after the break. Real fans, real opinions. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back to the fourth and final part of episode eight of Went to Mo Kings Meadow. It's time for your emails. Um, we've only got one this week, but it's from one of my favourite people across the pond, um, Patrick. Over to you, Jane. Hi, folks. I'm interested in the link between Fran and Emma. There is an inoxorable link between them. I find it no coincidence then that they exclude many of the same qualities. Fiercely competitive, highly intelligent. To watch Fran's struggles from afar has been tough. Emma has been there with the club every step of the way. Curious for your thoughts here. Continuing success, appreciation to you all. Patrick Moen Lisk. Interesting point raised here by Patrick about Fran and Emma. Um, something that I've not really given too much thought to before. You know, he's right when he says that they exude the same qualities. Um, Jane, what do you make of the relationship between um, Fran and Emma? Um, I think they have got. I think Emma's relationship with Fran could be one of the strongest in the team. She always seems to be there for Fran. Like I think with everything she's gone through as well, I think if it wasn't for like Emma and her teammates, Fran would have struggled. And it's just I don't know how to describe their like relationship. It's like I can't think of what I'm even trying to say. <laughs> what I think is mother and daughter that Emma cares for her so yeah. deeply. And, you know, Fran's injury is so unique, um, the struggle that she has, and it has to be managed properly. And if your manager doesn't believe in you, then, you know, some managers would have just ripped Fran off and said, you know what, she's not going to get injury free for long enough for me to build a team around her. You know, I'll sell her and just bring new players in. But Emma has done the opposite to that, you know, and she care so deeply for her that she's you know they've personalised her training and stuff like that I believe to make sure that she can stay at the top of her game and you see the way she's come back you know absolutely world class she is a superstar we talked about her being you know the greatest of all time for Chelsea and you know if you look at Emma Hayes as a manager include the men's managers in this she's one of the greatest of all time as well she's absolutely superb at what she does not just on the football pitch, not just tactically, not how she sets her team up, how she manages people and how she deals with people. And, you know, that player-manager relationship she has with her squad is one of her best qualities. Do you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, I think I think that is it, like, mother and daughter sort of relationship. Like, I know last year in March when the Algarve Cup was happening, Emma was going out to watch it and she actually took Fran 
with her. And I think that's just to know a manager's got so much like she feels like she's got to look after you. I think it is nice. And like you said, Emma could have sold her and was like, oh, no, she's like getting injured. With, like there's no point keeping her. And Fran has had a lot of injuries throughout her career. So for a manager to stick with her and be like, no, we want to keep you. It just shows how much potential Fran actually has got still. And on, on the flip side of that, it's easy for other players to, you know, perhaps feel jealous or, you know, feel like oh, she only cares about Fran. She doesn't do that for the rest of us. But they don't do that. They don't feel that. They all feel like they, you know, are part of Emma and, and Chelsea. And that's all come from, from Emma as a manager. And, you know, that quality of being able to manage a group of individuals who are all extremely talented the mood in the squad seems fantastic. Um, there's no rumours of dissent. You know, you look at the men's team, you know, they're under the leadership of Frank Lampard and, you know, after a defeat, there's no stories of players unhappy and unrest in the team. Whereas, you know, even though the likes of Beths probably would play week in, week out at 90% of the clubs in this league, she's still happy to be under you know, Emma Hayes as a manager. And that's because of the way Emma is with with everybody and having you no know, interaction like that with your players and being able to hold relationships with players, even though things aren't always what they want them to be on the pitch. That that's truly special, and you know, that's what makes Emma so special. And that's why I think Tracy said last week that she could never leave. And that's the concern for me about us winning the Champions League is that Emma says, "Okay, I've done it all now." time for somebody else and you, you step away from that and that can be really difficult. Um, any final thoughts on that, Jane? Um, nothing. You've covered pretty much all of it. Like you said, with winning the Champions League, will she leave after that? Like, she's always said that she's wanting to win everything and people always keep saying, oh, like she'll be England manager, but then She's not going to leave Chelsea until she's won the Champions League. But then it's after, what is she going to do? Is she going to stay for longer? Because I'd hate to see another manager come in and not have that relationship that Emma has with her players. Yeah, whoever eventually does that job has got probably the toughest job in world football filling in from, from Emma Hayes. Hopefully that doesn't happen for a long time. No. Hopefully we win the Champions League and she says, oh, I'd quite like to win another one of those. Um, and she stays. Um, Patrick, thanks for your email. Um, if you want to be like Patrick and be a legend, get in touch with us. We are went to mokingsmeadow at gmail.com. You can email about anything about the women's team, about the show, about some news you've seen in, in the press. We'll read it out. We'll have a discussion. Um, it makes a great part for the show and you know, want you to get involved as well. Uh, right, that's all we've got time for this week. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about Sunday's game against Manchester United. And look ahead to our games against Manchester City in the Conti Cup and Bristol City in the league. Uh, Jane, a pleasure to talk to you about this wonderful football team again. Um, see you next week. Hopefully, a similar result to talk about. Yep, hopefully another win in the bag. And yeah. 5-0 would be nice, wouldn't it?
it would be nice if we could get the same score line, but unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be as easy. Yeah, I'm not greedy. Any win will do me. Um, remember to follow exactly. us on Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Mokings Meadow, me at Dean Mears, and Jane at Jane Chapel X. You can also find us on Instagram at Went to Mokings Meadow. Join our Discord community, download the app, search for Went to Mokings Meadow, and don't forget to like and subscribe to the brand new YouTube channel as well, which is also Went to Mokings Meadow. Don't forget you can contact the show via email, get your points heard. That address is went to mokingsmeadow at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Chelsea fans from Kings Meadow to Wembley, keep that blue flag flying high. <laughs> <laughs>